Good morning. Welcome to Cold Springs Church this morning. Um, it's been uh, been quite a decade, hasn't it? So, um, <laughs> yeah, you like think, where do we start? How far do we go back on this, right? Um, yeah, good news. Uh, uh, many of you were able to move back into your homes and to head back, and uh, we praise God for that. Um, you know, I've heard some of the stories that are coming out of there, um, particularly Ed and Sharon, as they shared going back to their home uh, that was literally at the fire's edge and walking around their neighborhood and seeing the amazing work of God, the amazing work of the firefighters to make the fire go around homes instead of through homes. And, uh, and just a lot of relief as you watch the news stories and hear people's stories. Uh, lots of tears of joy. Um, there are also, I think that there are almost 700 homes that were lost in our county as well. So we know that there's lots of grief that is mixed with that. And uh, sort of interesting, you know, even uh, over these last two weeks as people heard those different stories and that it's almost the survivor's guilt, right? Of why not, you know, why not me? Or why didn't it happen to us and it happened to somebody else? We had some new floors put in and one of the installers, um, young man, lived up in Grizzly Flat and he, um, at 11.30, had fallen asleep on his couch at 11.30 at night, heard the, you know, announcement to evacuate immediately, grabbed his three-year-old son, two pairs of gloves, escaped, and an hour and a half later, his home was destroyed. And uh, he saw pictures, and across the street, all of the homes were standing. On his side of the street, all the homes were destroyed. It's just, uh, you know, and that there's those, it's like, uh, those blessings and challenges and, and those, those things. So, uh, you, you know, I think uh, one thing, we just, you know, uh, continue to keep the firefighters, the law enforcement, um, in your prayers, and as they continue to battle against this, um, anybody who's driven on Highway 50 or through town and just sees this constant stream of uh, fire trucks and fire personnel, I remember going uh, uh, out of town one day and seeing this line of Burbank, California fire trucks, right? And you're like, Burbank, that's a little ways away from home. Uh, but surrounding us and caring for us and loving us. Um, and um, so continuing to pray for all of those who are still there. You know, you think about Tahoe having to be evacuated of what that mess was, right? And uh, that that still is the fire's edge. Uh, so we, there's, there's a relief for us, um, but we definitely want to keep praying and, and be thankful um, for God's goodness in the midst of the challenges. And, and lots of work. Uh, you know, the, I know EID has to rebuild, you know, infrastructure, uh, power infrastructure, you know, fiber optics, all those things that there's so much, um, there's relief, but there's a lot ahead of us. So we, and, and it's been neat how our community has come together Again, reflecting with Ed and Sharon, who took my parking spot for like three weeks, which is really irritating in the parking lot. Um, finally, they left. Sheesh. Um, so I get my parking spot back. It's like the pew, right? You know, you have your, you have your seat. You know, nobody can sit in my seat. Nobody can park in my parking spot. Um, just joking, Ed. Sure. Um, but, you know, we had neighbors, uh, had the, the peach orchard come and uh, deliver peaches, boxes of peaches 
uh, you know, multiple restaurants from downtown came and delivered and dropped off food for people who were living in our parking lot. Uh, sweet septic come in and empty uh, the, the septic tanks of the trailers. Um, you know, the, uh, the, um, the casino provided the, the porta-potties. Uh, district church, you see a shower out there. Anybody needs a shower, there's a shower set up down there. You can go ahead and have a shower uh, down there. Uh, you know, so many people just came, you know, delivered ice, uh, delivered, you know, propane companies were coming and filling up propane tanks um, for people who were living in different places who were displaced. I mean, just an amazing, you know, community coming together and seeing needs, meeting needs, loving and caring for one another. That was one of the, in the midst of the, the hardship and the tragedy, it was one of the really cool things to see. And uh, we live in a wonderful place. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of challenges in our community, absolutely. Uh, but we, we are blessed people. And um, we get to see that when tragedy strikes and come together. So let me just pray for us before we open up our scriptures today. Jesus, thank you that you are faithful. And you are good, God, all the time. And all the time you are good. And uh, thank you for those men and women who continue to tirelessly pour out their time and their energy to protect homes and property, to continue to swing back into neighborhoods to make sure that um, people are safe. Um, all the things that are going on that are contributing to the preservation and the good of our, our community. And we, we pray for our the, the other side of the Sierra, of our county, of our neighbors, our friends who are facing uh, what we have over the last two weeks as the fire moves that way. Lord, that you would give mercy and grace and the winds and favor and the winds and the weather uh, to keep um, the fire contained and that it would not destroy lives, that it would be uh, not destroy property. And Lord, um, that in all of this, help us to see your goodness and your faithfulness. Open up our eyes, um, Jesus, today to your word and to your truth um, to encourage us and to shape us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So we've been in a series of messages called Grounded, you know, of how, how are we living in our lives. And one of the, the images that I've given you is, is that it's from Ecclesiastes 3 of this idea that life, you know, we, we think that, you know, there's sort of this perfect center, that if we just are centered in this perfect place, then life is going to be good, God's going to be good, we're going to be fine, and everything is going to be okay. But that's actually called death, is what it's called. Because um, the way life works, and Ecclesiastes 3 reminds us, to every season, you know, to everything there is a season. And that we live in that pendulum swing of life. And so how is your pendulum swinging in your life this morning, today? How do we find a grounded sense of the, the presence of God, the faithfulness of God in the midst of whatever we're going through? And um, I want to continue uh, in, in looking at something that uh, Steve uh, opened up for us last week of of looking at our being, of our soul, where uh, Jesus said, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
And it speaks of the wholeness of our being engaged with God. And at the center of that, the thing that holds us together is our being, is our soul. And, um, and, and sort of this, this question for you of, are you living life bottom-up or top-down? Are you living life bottom-up or top-down? And, and, and let me help you to understand what I'm talking about there. So bottom-up living is where what we're feeling in the moment, what we're thinking in the moment, what we're doing in this moment determines what I'm believing about this moment. So um, our, our, our beliefs change with the swing of the pendulum because when things are good, they're like, whoa, hey, God's good, everything's fantastic. You know, God's faithful. When things are hard or when they go in directions that we don't expect or don't, we don't want, we, we begin to question those foundational beliefs. So uh, we just talked about, you know, this whole, uh, as people go back into their homes or back to where their homes were, you know, sort of that, that pendulum swing, right? Of, you know, of our house is standing, you know, God is good. God is faithful. Prayers were answered. Our house is burned. God isn't good. You know, God didn't, you know, protect me. God didn't meet, you know, my needs. It's sort of like, um, you know, went to, when, one day I went to, to my wife's school, she teaches at a junior high, and, um, and I had to drop something off to her. And it was before school started, and there was this, there was this group of girls who were standing there on the sidewalk, and, and one of them was sobbing, and then her, her friends were around her. And, 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 you know, comforting and everything. And I was, and I was like, wow, that's, that, this seems like a hard way to live. Now, I don't know what she was going through, but my guess is, is that it probably had to do with a boy or it had to do with a, a, a relationship that wasn't working out as expected. And, and it's a little bit, if you've ever been around, you know, uh, people who are experiencing those junior high relationships of which can go into senior high and to college and to adults where people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it's like, wow, that's a lot of energy going on there. And, and when we are living bottom up, that's the way that our faith can be expressed. Now, there's another way, and that is top-down. And top-down is where our being shapes our thinking and our feeling and our actions. The, the, the truth of, our, of who we are, the truth of our soul, shapes how we interact and engage. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't feel it doesn't mean that we don't have a, a, a myriad and a, a spectrum of, of thoughts about ourselves and others in life. It doesn't mean that we always do the right thing. We act in the right way. There's still those things there. But what, what is going on is, is that our being shapes those. It informs those so that we then live in the faithfulness of God. And it's this question of, you know, what grounds you? When you were, you were faced with the, the pendulum swing, whether the positive or the negative, whether the, the good or the, the challenging, 
the blessings or the evil that we can come up against? What, what grounds you? How do you make your choices? How do you make your decisions? That's this question of being grounded in our being. And just, just sort of the, the, the framework that, that I have used or tried to use, you know, in that question of what grounds you, how do you make choices and decisions, is that it's the Word of God. So being informed by Scripture of what God's truth is, it is the, the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God leads us and directs us and guides us and speaks to us, convicts us of sin, it comforts us in, in the challenges that we face, it gives us wisdom. The, the experience of God, of, of how I've experienced God working in my life, how I've experienced his presence, his faithfulness, his goodness, his comfort in the good and the bad, and then the community of God, the people of God. You know, we, we listen to those people who love us and love God and who speak into our lives. In, in those things, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the experience of God, the people of God, there is a groundedness that comes there. And what, what we're talking about ultimately in this whole series of, of Grounded is, is that we would live lives of godly wisdom that we would live lives of godly wisdom, and that godly wisdom is the, the righteous application of the knowledge of God to our, of, of, to the knowledge of God ourselves and our experience. So it's the righteous application of the knowledge of God ourselves and our experience to how we're thinking, how we're feeling, and how we're acting. And that's gonna result in that the relationships that we have with God and with other people are flourishing, that are, that are full of life, that are growing. Now, that's what living in godly wisdom is. So I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about this, this, the center circle, the thing that, that should hold us together, our soul, our, our being. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might mind and all your strength. How do we have this grounded being? Hey, I've got a great offer um, this morning for you. Um, does anybody want some money? I, I copied some $100 bills uh, this morning. Now, the thing is, is that you can only, uh, it was really, well, number one, I tried to do color copies, but um, is this okay? I got some law enforcement people here. Is this, is this all right? I have, some, I have some concerned looks on your face back there. There might be a judge in the room. I don't know. Uh, that's all right. Hey, so um, this only the front, though. All right? I'm not going to give you the back. I'll, you know what? I'll give your dad the back. So you guys can sort of negotiate, work it out if you're going to collaborate and, uh, you know, try to you know, pass that off or paste it together. I'm sure it will, here, you, you look like you could use a little money. There you go, awesome, all right, so good. Everybody else is going, what about me? I've got extras, don't worry, there's a copier there, we can make it, all right? So, um, you know, what, what, makes, what makes money of value? What makes it useful? What makes it authentic? Well, what makes it authentic is that it's real, right? 
Now, I handed out, let me make it clear to all of you people who are online or watching this, it's recorded and, you know, for all law enforcement to see at some point. I'm just joking. It's black and white, okay? So it's up to them what they do with it, okay? What makes it authentic is, is that it is real. That's not real money. Number one, it's only one side, right? And it's truthful. That, that in one sense, there's two sides of the coin, right? You've heard that saying, this sort of a, a saying, a wisdom saying that we have in our culture. It's two sides of the bills. Is that there's, there, you have to have both sides of those, and they have to be real. They have to be truthful. They have to be, to be authentic, to be of value. And when we talk about grounded being, what we're, we're talking about is how you see God, and if you didn't get to hear uh, Pastor Steve's message last week, I really encourage you to go online and read that. Pastor Steve did a great job of talking about how do you see God? Who, who is God? That's one side of that, that authentic grounding that we need to have. And there's another side, and that is how God sees you. How God sees you. And that's what I want to look at today, is, is that how does God see you? And how does that provide grounding in our life? How does that provide a foundation? So how God sees you, there, there's a bit of a divine paradox that is going on here within this whole thing of how God sees you and me. And, and Pastor Steve, he, he said this last week. He said, part of this paradox is, it's not about you. It's not about you. One of the, the passages of Scripture that always just sort of makes me sit back in my seat is if you've ever read through the book of Job, all right? And Job is this book about suffering, you know, and there's some pretty, you know, is, uh, some Bible scholars believe it's the most ancient book of uh, of the Bible. It's the oldest book of the Bible. It's this wisdom literature. And I mean, it brings up a lot of sort of, you know, deep questions. And, you know, Job goes through this tremendous suffering. Um, you know, Satan's involved with, you know, bringing on these tragedies in his life. And, and then his friends come around and, and they're telling him, you know, what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do, what he's believing and what he's not believing. And Job is just sitting there suffering. And then Job lets loose, right? Job, you know, sort of tees off a little bit on God. And then God speaks. In, in this passage, you know, in, in, sometime, you know, read Job 38. Let me just read beginning. It says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Number one, if you're confronted with a whirlwind and it starts speaking to you, you should probably listen, right? That in itself would probably be something to, to make you think, hmm, I might be the smaller entity in this conversation. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and make, you, make it known to you. So what, what um, the, the literal statement there is sort of cleaned up is, is that it's saying, gird your loins. It's like put on your tight underwear because we're going to battle is what's going on here. 
Because God has a few things he wants to say to you. And then you read through there and you go, okay, God is God. And you are not. Job is not. It's not about you. God is God and you are not. Let me read to you a section out of Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 begins with um, these words of comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. And down in verse 17, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? And so the, you know, the imagery here is, is this, you know, balance scale and, and God is holding up the scale and all of the universe is sitting on the scale. That's the difference in size, magnitude. Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and whom made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Sharon was, uh, Donald was sharing about going back into her home and how uh, when she went to her home, again, their home was right on the fire's edge and that there wasn't like any dust in the house. So she has this beautiful uh, grand piano. As you can tell, she plays wonderful piano. And uh, she says, there's always dust even after I dust it, right? And she goes in and there's not any dust. And, and the imagery here is, is that that fine dust of which we know all about in El Dorado County, particularly right now, that just settles on everything and all this ash is, is that what God says is that that, that's, that's like the nations. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Behold, he takes up coastlands like fine dust. God is God and you are not. It's not about you. It's not about you. Okay, now here's the paradox. It's about you. It's about you. Um, what was, well, uh, so some of you people have been around church for, for quite a while. Um, I'm, I'm going to make a guess at what was the first verse that you memorized as a kid growing up in church. Anybody want to throw one out? John 3.16, right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God, it's about God, so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. Or how about this, Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those 
who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You are set free. You are the focus of God's love. You're the focus of God's love. You were made, you were born into this world to be loved by God. That is, that is how, you, at your very DNA level, you were created, you were born into existence to be loved. And without love, you, you literally die. There, there were these, you know, horrible experiments happened. I, I, um, I think it was um, in Eastern Bloc nations at one point under communism in an orphanage where they experimented with babies and some of them they held and some of them they didn't. They didn't touch. And the babies that didn't, weren't touched, weren't held, they died. They, they were fed, they were changed, you know, their basic needs were taken care of, they died. Because they weren't loved. You were made to be loved by God. There's a movie, I can't remember what year it came out, uh, a number of years ago, um, called Anchorman. And Anchorman, there's a guy, Ron Burgundy, who is a newscaster. Right, who is this totally full of himself, you know, completely self-absorbed person. And there's a scene in the, in the movie where he's trying to pick up this beautiful woman in a bar and, and she's like, you know, what, what's going on? And, and he asks the question, he says, don't you know who I am? And she's like, no, I, 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 actually I don't. And his response is, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me, of which she's not impressed whatsoever. But you know what? In the eyes of God, you're kind of a big deal. God knows you. Sylvie Fuller is sharing about her daughter's friend up in, um, up in Reading, uh, who uh, loves Jesus, and she knows that Jesus loves her because she keeps reminding everybody around her, I'm Jesus' favorite. I'm God's favorite. Which, you know, you'd think would be obnoxious, but it comes out of this purity, this understanding that I matter. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son. How does God see you? Well, let's look at how God loves Jesus. There, in, there, in, there are four books that tell the story of Jesus' life. Uh, we call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is the same story that is told in all three of them, and it's the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew 13, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In Mark, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Luke, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Every time I, I read this, come across this passage, and I've done it you know, in devotionals and stuff, what I always try to do is I try to text my kids and tell them the same thing. Because it's the father's voice to his son, right? How, how powerful, how affirming that is to hear from your father. You are my beloved child. You bring me pleasure. You bring me pleasure. That is the love of God to his son. God poured out his love on his son, Jesus. Well, how does God love you? If you have your Bible, you open it up to, to, to the book of John chapter 15. In John chapter 15. In John chapter 15 is this, this passage of Scripture where Jesus is interacting with his disciples and he is sort of unpacking you know, this idea of relationship and the importance of, of connection and deep connection with, with, with him. With, that if they're going to have life, if they're going to experience life, if they're going to overflow in life, it's going to come because they are connected to Jesus. And he uses um, a vineyards, you know, metaphor, picture there of vines and branches of which they would have been very familiar with. And let me read to you in John 15, starting in verse 9. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Um, Jesus says this. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. How has the Father loved Jesus? This is my beloved Son. You bring me great pleasure. That's the love of the Father towards the Son. That's what Jesus has experienced. Jesus says to his disciples, to you and I, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? It looks like the heavenly father speaking from heaven to his son saying, this is my beloved son. You bring me great pleasure. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. It's not about you. It's all about you. As Jesus was loved by his Father, Heavenly Father, he loves you as his child. You were created to be loved by God. And in Christ, God is pleased with you. As we are in Christ, as we remain in him, as we abide in him, as we dwell in that love, there, the pleasure of God is poured out upon you and I. And that we live out of the overflow of that. 
Jesus says in verse 5 of, of John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. You were made by God to receive his love. Now, I'm, I'm wondering... Does that go against any belief that you have? Does that go against any understanding of, 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 of God and how he relates with humanity and with, with creation? Because there can generally be this, you know, belief, this opinion that, no, you know, I'm, I'm made for judgment. I'm made for condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Godly wisdom is the righteous application of the knowledge of God. Who is God and who are you? How do you see God and how does God see you? Living in wisdom is the righteous application of the knowledge of God, of, of ourselves. Who am I in the eyes and the view of God in, in our experience to how we think and feel and act? So the, the result of that, that righteous application, is that we would have flourishing relationships with God and with ourselves and with other people. In this series, that, that we, the, the scripture that we have been grounded in, that are grounding us, is, is Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and through 19. He says, so, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, the you being rooted and grounded in what? Rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. The fullness of God comes from this, this grounded being that, that I am beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. We are the beloved of God. That is what we are created for. That was what we were designed for. And that is what we are constantly struggling and challenging to live in. And where the spiritual battle in our life resides is in the accuser, Satan, who is trying to convince you and do everything he can to, to, to draw you away from that. Being grounded is consistently living out of, the, out of the love and the knowledge and the presence and the strength of Jesus. Being grounded is, is living wisely. So I, I've been giving you some, some exercises to, to be able to, to strengthen our lives in Christ, to strengthen this idea of groundedness. And, and one of the things that we talk about here at Cold Springs Church is that we want you to be engaged with the truth of God. We want you to be engaged because remember, that's one of the things that grounds us is the Word of God. And so we really encourage people to download the Bible app on your you know, phone or your iPad or your tablet or your computer and to be reading Scripture. 
And, and the cool thing about the Bible app is you can read scripture in community with others. You can do it with your spouse. You can do it with friends. You can do it with your life group. You can do it with your enemies too, you know, which could probably be a really good thing for all of us to do that. But you can do it in community. You can comment back and forth. And there's a, a Bible reading that I would encourage you to check out. It's called 31 Truths, Who I Am in Christ in the Bible. And it's found in the Bible app. 31 Truths, Who I Am in Christ. It's 31 days. And it's looking at a couple of chapters in Ephesians and just looking at what that has to say about who we are. I encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to, to invite somebody to do that. If you don't know how to do that and you want help in figuring that out, get a hold of us in the office because we have trained experts in the Bible app. We would love to help you. And lastly, um, the other discipline that we've been doing is, is this, the, what I call the surrender prayer. You see, the surrender prayer is really important when we come to this grounded being because there are a lot of lies that we believe about ourselves and about God. And when you, and, and the, the one who is called the father of lies is Satan. And Satan wants you to live in a lie, wants you to believe a lie. And when you ground yourself, what you begin to do is you begin to recognize and to see the lies that you have begun to believe and to live out of about yourself and about God. And the only way through that is to recognize them and to surrender them, to invite Jesus into them. And so, Jesus, I surrender this lie. I surrender this belief. I surrender this feeling, this thought, this action to you right now. So whenever you see the lie, whenever you recognize the lie, whenever the Spirit of God points out that lie, is that you come with this surrender prayer and you say, Jesus, I surrender this lie to you right now. Come be with me and I choose to follow you. Surrender. Because it's a question of who's gonna lead your life. I had this conversation with a young man just this last week, where I was sharing as I have over and over again about the truth and the hope of Jesus to transform his life. And I said, you know, you have to allow Jesus to lead your life. You have to surrender, you have to lead your life you can't lead your life. He said, I can't do both, can't have both. <laughs> Next week, we're gonna talk about what does it mean to have grounded thinking out of this grounded being. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you were so perfectly loved by your heavenly Father. And thank you that that love is the love that we get to experience through you. In all the swings, in all of the challenges, in all the things that are going on in life, that love is there for us. Help us to see your love, recognize the lies, to surrender them to you, and to walk in the newness of life. And help us to be life in our community, in our world, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors for your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.